Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download the Zion Clear Lake app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. Oh my gosh. Just <laughs> we always go to the right. Yeah, okay. we don't. There's three of us. Like I've there's been, like I'm 15 times and we always went that way. <laughs> Let's go. I'm I'm Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. <laughs> I'm Derek. <laughs> my best part is I hope we keep that all in because that's know. just funny. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Doing great. It's Turkey Week. It is. So, well, okay, real quickly, what's everybody's plans for Thanksgiving? Um, well, we are doing a not Thanksgiving because it's our first Thanksgiving without my dad. And so we are doing jammies at Grammys and we're just doing silly movies and candy and snacks all day in our pajamas at my mom's house. I like that. Yeah. Uh, mine's still up in the air at the moment. Uh, (laughs) I was planning to go with my, my new wife, uh, (laughs) my only wife, but my wife who is still supposed to your old wife. Yeah. My my wife, we were going to go to her family, but someone in her family got COVID. Oh, And they're no. still meeting, but due to the fact that I'm preaching this weekend. Uh, Is that a thing? Next like, weekend, people are still getting COVID? It's enough that if I get it, I can't be around people. Yeah. I'm not worried about it from my own, like, health perspective but it is like i'm not going to preach in front of a room of you know and then invite everyone people. to chat with you after yeah. the and so uh so i'm probably not going to go to that uh mm. in order to protect the gospel <laughs> as we like to call it because uh, that's not fair if i can't if i put myself in a situation where i can't preach then i have to hand it to somebody else to preach and that's not always fair and so uh i'll probably find some family members here in town and uh do thanksgiving with them Cool, because so, your family is ginormous. There is. So there's always somebody I can hang out with over Thanksgiving. So so many people in your family. Nah. Every time Derek's family comes to an event that Derek is like, if he's preaching or he gets ordained, like our population doubles by 10%. Is that a thing? It is doubles, a lot. Doubles by 10%. 10% but it, well, well that, no, those, I just, are, that's those not, are two differing. They're, they're, yeah, they're not equal. Mathematical terms. They're, they're not doubles by 10%. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Did you? <laughs> there are three types of people in this world: those who can and cannot count. Yeah, yeah. Eighty percent of all statistics are made up. Did you know that every time our our offering counters come in to count, I'll literally walk in and I go, "Hey guys, I just want to tell you, you count. You count." And they always laugh because they love me, and <laughs> that's an awesome joke. Uh-huh. And I do it literally uh-huh. every time. That's literally, funny. that's not an exaggeration. Every time I come in, hey, I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much. You count. That's uh-huh. funny. Thanks, Pastor Jason. No, it's not like that. <laughs> Usually there's like chuckles and barrel, you know, like belly laughing. Yeah. It's the, they think it's hilarious. Aww. Most people find me hilarious, Derek. Looking. Good. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? I know, that was really mean. I'm oh so my sorry. Gosh, Kate, I know. Oh. Sorry, I'm punchy today, guys. I, did, I didn't choose Derek how makes I me look. nervous. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Derek makes you. <laughs> Your face is delightful. Don't listen to her. Thank yeah, you. Babies is. love my face because I've got a giant head and I'm pretty sure they think I'm a giant baby. I know. I've signed you up for the nursery, man. You you show up anytime you want. I'll just walk in and they're like, what? What? I, he looks like me, but 
He's talking and tall. And hairy. That is the... (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. (laughs) Well, we are at the end of our formed series. And uh, Derek, you have the privilege of preaching this week. Uh, So real quickly, we, we started off by talking about the importance of formation, that we're all formed and shaped by the stories in our lives, the things that have been spoken over us, the things that we speak over ourselves by our experiences. And those stories shape what we believe about the world, about others, about ourselves, about God. But because as Christians, we have another side to us, and that is not just mental and emotional, but we have a soul, and that our souls can be formed. And then the second week, we talked about what happens when uh, sin enters in or brokenness or those experiences that deform the shaping of our soul, which therefore affects our mind and affects our heart. Now, last week, we talked about the importance of conforming to the image of Christ. But more importantly, is that uh, in the 80s and 90s, when I was a kid, when I grew up, it was always about we need to be separate from the world and don't conform by the pattern of this world. And what that meant was to stay away from secular music and don't watch certain movies or television shows. And, And not that you should always watch those things, but that's not what the gospel's talking about. It's not saying that if you listen to you know, uh, uh, Lincoln Park, that somehow you're conforming to the pattern of the R. world. R.I.P. Chester. Yeah. Yep, this is true. Uh, but rather, and this is where last week we talked about, is that some people think the goal is to be anti-cultural. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not, Jesus was not anti-culture. He invaded into culture, but it's also not to be counter-cultural, which sounds like it should be like, we want to go against the grain, but even that's not the case because there are a lot of things that go against the grain that are not good. What we yeah. want is redemptive culture. That is the gospel side of formation. And when our souls are formed by the gospel, by Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God's word, God's community, how we live matters. And it actually impacts the world. And so instead of criticizing the world, we want to come alongside the world and show them what does redemption look like, show them a different way. Uh, that models the heart of Jesus of the gospel, which then led to this week's, which Derek, and part of the reason why I had you preach this is you and I had had conversations before. I know that this idea of a cruciformed life, uh, a cross-shaped life matters, has mattered to you. Um, so I really, let's start off with this. Let's let's talk about that word cruciform, such a weird word. Derek, when, you, when we talk about that word, what does the word cruciform mean for you? Like a scarecrow. That's good. Live life with your arms straight out. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. That's... <laughs> ah, that's a bad joke. Um, yeah, and I'm such not a youth one. pastor. What? You can laugh. take the youth pastor out of the, the title, but you can't make an executive pastor be professional. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, but uh, I still tell puns. And I think it builds off of what we've talked about even most of the summer, I feel like, when we were talking about the main point of Scripture is to point us to the importance of the of the resurrection. I think this is a continuation of what we've been building up all of the, the last few months is pointing to this idea of the cross. And, you know, I wanted to throw out in my sermon all the different ways where the cross doesn't make, like, like we've misused the cross or like when it's just a symbol and focus on what does it actually mean. And there's a, I think I've I've commented on it. There's a bunch of different ways you can view it. Like the first way that I viewed it was like, you should pick up your cross and follow me. 
Because it's like that, and, and that's the one I related to the most because it's all about me. Like I get to take action. I get to, you know, I have this mission. God called me to this mission. I'm going to attack it. I'm going to do all these things. And that's that's what the cross means to me. But that's that's not. that's. I don't believe that's the, the heart of what the cross is about. I do believe you have to do that. I do yeah. think that's part of it. But the manner in which we do it, it can't be about ourselves. It has to be about the path and direction that God is leading us on. Where is he wanting us to pick us up the cross and where, where are we headed with it? And so when I look at it, I, I just view the humbling nature of which Jesus approached the cross. Yeah. That he, you know, and I used, uh, in Sermon Reader, I used the word emptied himself. Uh, but apparently that's <laughs> No, that's what the text says. It the sounds text like says going that, potty. But, but yeah, it does sound like he was using the bathroom. But, uh, but no, <laughs> when I... When we're saying he emptied himself, it's like he became fully man, where he gave up the glory uh, of being God in order to be man. And how he went from literally God to not a ruler of man, not becoming man's king, not to becoming anything, but like a, all the way down to servant. Where like one of his big moments is washing his disciples' feet, like wash, and he even had his other or. Uh, John the Baptist baptized him like it's not it was not about him and his glory or his fame or his pride it was all about serving others and to me that's what the cross is about but it, it I think my focus of the sermon was not on acting out being like Jesus but actually having it be a true spiritual formation changing your soul changing yeah. the way you see and engage with the world well we and we talked about and some read through and I don't know if you're going to get to it in your message or not but even the image of the cross itself, I mean, it's symbolic for a lot of people, but most people have no idea what the symbol actually means. And instead of shaping who you are, now it's something we hang around our neck as a de decoration. And I think it's in the alpha videos, at least it used to be. I don't know if it's now. But the cross is an offensive piece of art. I mean, if you think about what the cross, it was a torture device used to execute criminals. It was so... Uh, it was so bad that even the Romans outlawed it eventually because they said it was too cruel uh, at that point. Yeah, here we are. We put it on necklaces. We hang it on walls. And and Kate, you and I were talking about this during some read-through is that part of the redemption mm -hmm. is the only reason why the cross is powerful is because yeah. of what happened on the cross, but what happened after the cross. Yeah. Because thousands of people were crucified. Yeah. But only one person was resurrected. We don't, we don't honor or... <laughs> use the cross as a symbol for the death it's the new life that comes from that's that empty. that's right it's the redemption out of the resurrection that we put our hope in yeah and and if you think about that like i think too many people wow okay just thinking about this i i think too many people their christianity is symbolic it's not transformational and that's what derek's whole message there was this overarching theme of you might act one way but that's that focusing on the behavior yeah. but are you that way can you you know you'd use those examples of somebody that can act loving but then there's someone that is, is loving, loving you know and you had all those wonderful examples that's kind of that overarching theme of the whole message and i don't think i get to it but like the hard part and so maybe <laughs> maybe we will or we'll have to we'll have to talk about it in a different sermon but like what what does it take to give up the things that prevent us from going that extra that extra step you know yeah. you yeah. know like let's just use the generous for, that's a that's a great example like yeah i can anyone uh, can give money they say i have to tithe so okay i'm gonna set up a thing that makes me tithe 
okay, well, what's preventing me from becoming generous? Yeah. Because I yeah. can tithe and like, and I do, and it's set up on a monthly, it just pulls from my check. I don't even know it. But is that generous? I think that's doing what I was supposed to obedient, but that's not the same yeah. thing as being generous. And I think, uh, so what, what is the, what is the thing that prevents us from taking that next step, whether it be loving, whether yeah. it be generosity, whether it be yeah. serving, whatever it might be. And uh, I think, yeah. um, when we're talking about like that cruciform, that's that idea of letting the Holy spirit transform <clears throat> your sacrificial love. Is it really a sacrifice? And that's what, when Jesus faced the cross, it was a sacrifice born out of love and compassion for humanity that, it, you know, considered a great joy set before him, that sacrificial love that we have, that's being transformed by the cross. That's picking it up. That's what it is to die to yourself is setting aside those things that you want that hold you back of really believing those things. Cause what we believe we ultimately become, we're not just acting away. We really become that way. Well, and I think that's the problem with acting is that eventually you'll fall out of character. And, mm-hmm. and that's, I mean, and, and especially under pressure, right? Yeah. And well, and, and, we and here's about okay. That. So it's going to a little pop culture reference, uh, method acting, you have actors who get so enraptured in the character they never fully find themselves. Yeah. Uh, two examples of actors that have, one of them died because of it. Heath Ledger, when he was preparing yeah. for the Joker, uh, spent so much time thinking about and studying and trying to embody a psychopathic killer, he entered into a spiral of depression. So he moved from acting into being. Yeah. And then you have Jim Carrey when he did The Man in the Mirror. Uh, Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. Andy sorry. Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. He spent so much time to and trying to inhabit the personality that he lost himself. Yeah. And and that's what happens when we try to act in the sinful way. And that's the pattern of this world that we see in Romans chapter 12 is that the pattern of the world wants you to act a certain way. And here's the danger is that eventually it moves from acting to becoming. And here there's that old adage, which comes first, the, the feeling or the smile. Yeah. But here's the part. And I think this is why it's different is that the cruciform life Christians can act it, but unless they want to become it, yeah, like it truly inhabit the heart of the cross. That's why it's cruciformed. It's cross form. Yeah. And that's the, that's the hardest part about it is I think there are a lot of people and I'll include myself in this. We go through the motions, but that's all they are. We're, we're not, we're, we're just acting. Well, like Derek said with the tithing, I think God does honor that obedience. And I think until your faith becomes sight, there's grace in yeah. that, in the blood of Jesus that covers that obedience. But if you want to continue to grow and be discipled by Jesus, how do you be spiritually yeah. formed? How do you live this cruciformed life? That's that next step of growing yeah. into becoming. That's why we do belong, believe, become. There is a next step. Yeah. And I, I'd say even after, let's say, let's say you feel like you've gotten there and you, you have, You've embraced this. You've you've taken to heart. Like I'm gonna live the life Jesus Jesus did. It doesn't mean you're still not gonna fail. Yeah. yeah. But if mm-hmm. you change it to a life a life embodied movement, <clears throat> it'll start to you'll start to see that, and it'll reveal itself quicker when you do go sideways, or when yeah. you, your community will be able to point it out very quickly because it's yeah. not who you are, and it'll almost feel awkward when you do those things. Yeah. For, that will become the norm as being like Jesus. So when you act out of it. 
it'll be very, you'll feel it and you'll know it. I think that, you know, a person's rebound of how they come back from those things, because we're human, we will all ultimately fail and sin, but how someone walks that back and how quickly that rebound happens, I think speaks more of someone's character or faith than this idea of acting perfect and hiding all of it, because that's so born out of shame and condemnation and things like that. Well, there's, I think there's a piece in this, and this is what's so important about this formation stuff. And I was just talking to um, someone last night about this. We're all being formed and shaped by something. Yeah. It's what are we choosing to be formed by? And I'll go back to the Heath Ledger and, and Jim Carrey stories. They choose, they chose to be formed by things that ultimately were not healthy for them. Yeah. And, and that's the thing is we have a choice. Okay. So there's, we are not unwilling participants. If we choose not to center our affection on Jesus, then ultimately we're going to find it somewhere else. This is why the author of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on the author and creator. And, and when we fix our eyes on Jesus, eventually we become like Jesus. But Jesus has to be the object in which we fixate on. Yeah. You know, and, okay. Yeah, sorry. And, that, and I think that part of that formational stuff, this is the danger of self-help. And I, I appreciate that oh, you yeah. called that out, is that self-help theology, self-help messages won't actually get you closer to God. They actually get you closer to you. Yeah. Yep. And and or the human definition of what you think good is. And when Jesus becomes the thing we fix our eyes on, much like, I mean, okay, let's think about it. What if uh what if either of those actors had been asked to portray Jesus? And they invested that heavily in fixating, oh my gosh, what does it mean if I was to embody and act like Jesus? I think that would have shaped them differently. But the question is, it would have been without the Holy Spirit or without God's word. And so it would have been their definition of Jesus, not Jesus's definition of Jesus. This is why I think we can, I talk to people all the time who, uh, non-Christians, they like Jesus, but they really don't like Jesus. Because if they really like Jesus and love Jesus, you can't just say, well, he was a good teacher or he was a good man. No, he's got to be God in flesh. That's scary. And that actually requires, like, I can't. There's no one who can become Jesus. There was only one Jesus because he was God in flesh. So our job is not to become Jesus. It's to become like Jesus. Does that make sense? Yeah. Have we checked in on Jim Caviezel? Uh, he played Jesus in Passion of the Christ. Oh is he walking on water? Yeah, no, no kidding. kidding. But I mean, actually, <laughs> if you listen to interviews with Jim Caviezel, he yeah. actually talks about the impact it's had on the guy from The Chosen mm-hmm. who's playing Jesus in The Chosen. He actually said by acting like Jesus, it's actually changed his understanding of faith because he he is actually loving God more because he's been focusing so much on Jesus. Oh, and that's God. that cruciformed life. And so there's a difference between acting and then fixating putting your gaze upon. And that seems to be what we see the heart of scripture is trying to point us to where is your attention fixed to? Because that will shape you. Yeah. That shapes the stories. So, okay. So as we're talking about this cruciformed life, we're talking about this formation of the soul. I think part of it is, is we have to look at what happened on the cross. Like what does, what should the cross shape in us? And I think you use that Philippians two text, which we we've quoted so many times over the last several years but the cross represents humility. Uh, what are some other things that when you think about what the cross, if, if we are being shaped in what the cross did and what it embodies, what type of character, what should that shape our soul to look like? And I think humility is the big one. Jesus understood his value because of who he was in the Father. So he didn't look to anybody else for his sense of identity. 
He did not have a high self-esteem or low self-esteem. He had esteem because he knew whose he was. He didn't need man's praise. And he said, I, I only do what the Father tells me to. I have the Father's approval. So I think that's one of the first things the cross did, which is why even on the cross, when faced with the two criminals, he the cross didn't control who he was still. Even in the middle of that horrific pain, it still did not control, his situation did not control his identity. His identity was always as God's son, the word become flesh. So what are some other ones that yeah. when you think about what the cross is meant to shape us to? And I know I already mentioned it earlier about that sacrificial love and that idea of like altruism of, of giving and, re- and receiving nothing back or no expectation to receive anything back. And that idea of that, that not only did Jesus empty himself of his Godhood and become fully man, but then he, he gave up his life as well. And is it really a sac? And I have this overarching theme in my life that I feel like God keeps speaking in to me. The Holy spirit keeps working through me in my own spiritual formation of, is it truly a sacrifice if you don't value yourself? If you don't give life value, Jesus's life was valuable. If he didn't have a negative self-esteem or a positive self-esteem, he had esteem. His life had inherent value. He believed, and I believe God feels that way of all humanity. And we know that in the character of God, that all humanity has value. So the cross in itself actually points us to valuing humanity. Amen. And then to be able to sacrificially lay that down out of compassion. And then now, okay, if that's what I'm called to do going forward. And I think it's, it's easy trap for me to fall into of, yeah, I'll give all of myself away. Like the, the, you know, Shel Silverstein, the giving tree until you're just a stump. And it's like, see, I, I'm like you, Jesus. Yeah but you didn't see your own value. Yeah. You gave away too much because you didn't see your own value. And having that that beautiful balance of the cross of like, no, this is a beautiful thing. He, you know, sweating literal blood at the idea of laying down his valuable life and still did it anyway. I never, I, honestly, I don't think I've ever thought about that the cross is one of the ultimate symbols of the value of human life. Because well, how else would it be a sacrifice? I've never, I've never thought about that before. That's actually a very beautiful Thank because, the Holy Spirit because he keeps pounding it into my head. <laughs> because, I mean, if we think about that, like, let's take that out a step further. Even the cruciform life is that the only reason why Jesus' sacrifice had any meaning at all wasn't just because he was God, but because he was also man. Yeah. And it was only only humanity can be sacrificed. God can't sacrifice himself. Right. He's God. Always is, always was. Always was. So he had to become flesh. He had to become human in order to die. Yeah. And even in the midst of that, okay, so... If we flesh that out a little bit more, if we understand the, the cruciform life, part of that soul level, let's talk about that soul transformation, is do I inherently believe that I have value? And and there, one of the things that, and I'm glad that my theology was kind of adjusted on this. For the longest time I was taught, you know, if you were the last person on the planet, Jesus still would have died for you. Mm-hmm. And while I believe that might be true, I think it the, the focus is on the wrong person. It's on... It's on who I am instead of who God is. Right. It's about me instead of about God. And the cross was not about me. The cross was about God's faithfulness, God's goodness, God's love. And yeah, he still would do that, but not because I'm intrinsically so valuable, but because God loves me. He's the one who places value upon me. Yes, that's what determines my worth. Yeah, my and that's, that is so contradictory because the humanism says human life is valuable because it's human. Well, there's a problem with that is that how do we know that we have the right to determine that, which is why we need God in our lives. It's 
It is God who says that we're worth giving because he is our creator. We're made in his image, not in ours. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really good, Katie. Wow. How about you, Derek? What are, Probably can't top that. <laughs> um, to me, it uh, and actually builds upon on it a little bit, and then what you talked about last last the last sermon you did. Uh, to me, it, it it points to the redemption story that that started all the way in the garden. Like the second we were kicked out of the garden, this is the I don't want to say the climax, but this is the this is the the big the big part of the movie where, you know, God is, God is putting his redemptive story into action where it is starting to, to fulfill. And so when I, when I look at that of what that means for us is that he's redeeming us because of that value, but like, there's gotta be grace there. Like we don't deserve it. Like there's nothing about our value that, that deserves this. And so when I look at of what that means for me is that what does that mean when I give grace and love to others? Like yeah. it has to be, and, I, and maybe it's humility. Like maybe that's the word too, but like I have to be willing to show grace because that's what the redemption story is all about in my own right. life, that, you, that God extended that grace to me, even though I'm countlessly time and time again, shoving it away. You right. Know? While we were still sinners. Yeah. Well, and there's, you know, I mean, and I've seen these illustrations done before, but I appreciate the fact that if depending on what you think the cross was. Some people believe it was just a stake in the ground. Other people believe it had the side sides to it. But there is that vertical and horizontal. And part of it is, is that the human side of us is that, is that I always remember verticals this way, it's going up horizontal. The human side of us is always going to be the horizontal. Like the only thing that I can fix my eyes on without the help of the Holy Spirit is me. Hmm. But you have that vertical piece that it's the two things that come in. And so... This is why not every sacrifice is redemptive. There are plenty of people who have died in the world, even died for good causes, but they were there that wasn't inspired or it wasn't God in flesh. Only the cross reminds us of what God did for humanity. And that goes back to that emptying of self in Philippians. Is could God have simply said, uh, all sins are forgiven? Yes, he could. The problem is God is also just. And to do that, that would no longer be just because it would mean that sin didn't really have a consequence. That sin is just this arbitrary thing that we say is wrong, but it doesn't really matter, doesn't really count. And the fact that the cross has a human death, but also a God emptying of himself, is part of what makes the cross so different from any other sacrifice in human history. A lot of people die for good causes, but only one death actually redeemed the world and connected us to God which goes back to why self-help is so bad. Self-help is we are the God who has to die to self. We are the ones who do it. And you'll have some teachers who use the story of Jesus, but they use it more of a, a symbolic. He's not really God, but look, we all need to be like Jesus and we all need to die for something. No, you missed the point. Because unless he was God, his death was purposeless. Yeah. Son, you're grounded from your phone, but go in your room and play on your phone. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. if there was no punishment or consequence of death yeah, uh, and, or of sin. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the part of us. I think the cross also reminds us not just that life is sacred, but that death is the, the reality of sin. Yeah. Is that all sin fractures us. And part of that cruciform life at a soul level is I realize that my soul has been fractured, has been scarred, has been cut open because of sin. And I now get the, I get the choice to die with Christ, not apart from Christ, not for myself, but I get to surrender my life to Christ, his death, 
but then I get resurrected. I get the resurrection, which that's the other side of the cruciform life is that we don't stay on the cross. I think too, the cross, you know, in that call for all Christians to take up their cross and bear it, it reminds us that Christianity isn't easy. You know, we, we hear oh. Jesus say like, take my yoke and it will be easy. And that, that word is the same that they use, you know, Paul uses for like, be kind and compassionate in Ephesians chapter four. And it means to be of good use, to be serviceable. And, you know, if we're thinking of that servant's heart that you've been calling us to throughout the message that you gave, Derek, you know, if you're, if you're following the Holy Spirit, I always joke with kids that it feels like you're running downhill. Like it's easy. It's fast. And it's like, oh, this just makes sense. Like God is making a way. But if you're running downhill, what happens if you trip? Like you're going to fall and roll and it is dangerous. And following Jesus is dangerous. It is. It absolutely is. And I think having that, that cross be a reminder of like, you will, you will suffer in this world, but take heart. Because I have overcome this world. Well, I, I think if you look at that idea of his the cross, the burden is light, his yoke is easy. First of all, he acknowledges that there's a yoke. There's something that we're tied there's to. There's work to do, bro. He also acknowledges there's <laughs> a burden, but he's right. He's saying that in context to the law. In other words, you're not going to have to strive to earn God's grace, to yeah. earn love, to earn this gift. It is a gift. That's it's what given. makes it easy. It's given. Yeah. However, what we have to toil, what where the work actually comes in is we have to surrender to that. But it's going to cost us something. And to be yoked to something, it costs you freedom. Yeah. That's what it meant to be yoked to. You're, you have lost your freedom. Otherwise, you're not yoked. If you're not yoked to something, you can do whatever you want. And we but see the that language is, throughout yes. the New Testament of a servant of Christ, a slave to Christ. And and yet we have freedom in Jesus. And that is the, the paradoxical nature of the Christian life. Is And I talked about this last week. We have permission to do whatever we want. We, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So as a Christian, because I know I'm forgiven, I can watch any movie I want to. I can do all the sins I want to because I know I'm forgiven. However, what's the evidence that my my soul and my heart and mind have been shaped by the cross? I don't want to do those things. Yeah. There was actually one of the early churches, there was a philosophy, a theology and philosophy that was going around saying the only way you can experience God's grace is by sinning. Well, we all want more of God's grace. So the best way to do that is to sin a whole bunch. <laughs> Like, and, and now we laugh a bit, but how many Christians, Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Think about what that statement tells people. It means I can be whatever I want to because I know I'm forgiven. That's the same philosophy. Yeah. And Paul says, wait, how many more times do you need to crucify Jesus? And whereas if, my, if <laughs> my soul has been formed, conformed. I do like that. Yeah. yeah. How many more times do you have to crucify Jesus? It's such a harsh thing for Paul to say, but it's so true. It's so real. Well, and, and that's the part is, I think when we looked at the cruciform life, one, it's not my job to crucify myself. And I think too many Christians think that the goal is to be a martyr. Yeah. No. Self-sacrificial. Jesus, Jesus was not actually a martyr. Yeah. Like, I think that's one of the things that people don't realize. Martyrdom you had individuals who, as a witness to the gospel, chose to give their lives for the sake of the gospel. That's a martyr. Jesus understood his role. He understood that what he was doing was bridging the gap, that he was on a rescue mission, the only way it could do it, but it wasn't for a philosophy or a theology. That's the martyrdom mentality. I'm doing this for a higher cause. This wasn't about a higher cause because, again, what's the problem with all causes? They're human ventured. They're human centered. He did this because for God's glory. And I think that's part of the the hard part with the cross is we forget 
The cross still glorified God. Yeah. But only because of the resurrection. Amen. I think if we stop too, too often, we do stop at the cross. Yes. And that's what we were talking about with the the symbol of like, oh, you're just wearing the, like this death. What did you say in the sermon read through? It's like wearing an electric chair yeah. around your neck. And it was like, well, oh, that's so dark. Well, but well, we put the hope in the resurrection. And and even if we, and I don't mean to be crass here and because of the recent things that have happened in the last week. Could you imagine if someone put an AK-47, hung an AK-47, how many people have senselessly died mm. at the hand of violence? We don't celebrate that. In fact, we'd feel that would be incredibly insensitive. We're walking around with a bullet. But the cross has lost its power because we've made it symbolic, not transformational. Death, where is your sting? Yeah. And and so the the emptying of the cross, because it wasn't Jesus, it wasn't just that he emptied his divinity. The cross was all the power of the cross was also emptied. Yeah. Meaning that death, what the Romans meant to be for torture, Jesus took and redeemed it. And actually showed out the very thing you thought was going to end my life actually brought new life. Yeah, for all. For all. And, yeah. and for all who confess and believe. Yeah. The um when when you talk about Derek, uh, you know, we come to that end and kind of where the the going of what's being formed, what's being shaped in us. And you go to that Philippians text where it talks about rejoice. Rejoice always again, I say rejoice, right? And kids love that memory verse, by the way. It's yeah, so it's such a well, but uh, I mean, you know, it says that for the joy set before him, Christ went to the cross. How do you find joy in being cruciformed? Where does that joy come from and and why does that matter? Well, one of the ways I like it, and I don't know, and I don't know exactly which of the two versions you can take, but of of that verse, but the way I feel it when I when I read the next line uh, where it says the Lord is near, yeah, like I just love that. Like that's to me that's uh, that's what it's pointing to. Like rejoice because it because it, it either implies that the Lord is with you, God with us, Emmanuel. You know that He's with us through He's human. Like he, all of all of those images and all that stuff, or it's that He's coming again. Like it's like the Lord is near. Like it is you know there is hope found in what happened on the cross. And so even though it is a, a sign of torture, it's a sign of like, you know, the cross itself was horrendous. It points us to something bigger. The fact that God did redeem us, that, yeah. you know, that the hope is in Jesus's return. And I like that you said earlier too, that like, I don't want to call the cross a climax because it's like, yes, all throughout the story of the Bible, when we get to these points in the gospels of where Jesus is crucified, it feels like this is the moment. This is what everything's leading up to. And it's that. kind of anticlimactic of it's like, oh, and everybody's just sad. And it's like three days and Jesus, oh wait, he's back. And he's back for 40 days. But I think I think it's still building up. Like yeah. we, we have this moment of like, oh, this is what it's leading to. And now we put the hope in that second coming and that, that resurrection of all of us. Yeah. That's, that's where the hope is. Well, if you, if you go with the, the lens of the disciples, and we talked about this in Luke 9 last week, the disciples were expecting Jesus was the pinnacle. Like that's what they thought he was going to overthrow the Roman government. Yeah. He was going to establish Israel as a great kingdom again. That's why they start arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Like who gets to sit at his right and left hand? Who's going to be, who's going to have power and control and authority? And in their mind, the climax was coming. And then what happened was the cross. Yeah. They and would have been so, like, just imagine that, 
absolute grief oh. of like, not just grieving Jesus who, you know, they maybe even were questioning like that divinity and everything and, their, and his friend, but even what they had had all of these hopes of who Jesus was going to be for them. So we may not realize this because we don't, it's not really talked about, but there were other messiahs who came before Jesus, other rabbis that people believed were the the messiah who was come. And they almost always ended up either one, the person died, which Jesus died like all the other ones. So you can imagine uh, one of my professors when I was in school wrote a book called the, the first Messiah or something like that. And, and it was a guy, a rabbi who came and everybody thought he was the guy and he ended up dying. And then he didn't come back. They didn't, there was no picture. Was there was dead. no frame. Well, they didn't have a frame in which someone would come back. That didn't, that wasn't in their worldview. So here Jesus is doing all these great things, great miracles, and then he dies. And you can imagine all of them going, oh, snap, like it happened to us again. When's the actual Messiah going to come? And it wasn't until the resurrection that all of a sudden, oh, mean that's what it was? But again, they were always looking for something to save them. They were always looking to be shaped by something. What Jesus came and he, showed, he says, and he goes, listen, the thing that's going to shape you is the thing that actually is going to wound you. The cross wounds us. And if we're, if we're not honest with ourselves, I think we, we love the idea of the resurrection, but we don't want to die first. Yeah. Still, go ahead. Oh. I still think it would be hard from the perspective of the disciples, even after the resurrection, to fully embraces, embrace Jesus's victory over death, oh, right, over yeah. sin and the, the devil. Like, I, I think it's easy now looking back on, or like, you know, you know, with hindsight, we're like, oh yeah, that's what Jesus was doing. But in the moment, it probably was like, what? Like even him yeah. coming back was still like, and now you're leaving again? Like, yeah. it still would have been like, what's happening here? Even with like all the context that we have in the hindsight, it's hard for our oh. brains to grasp. Yeah. Like, that's so hard. I think it's the Loretta Lynn song. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Mm. And that's the point of the cross is the cross is the only way we actually get a formed soul is we have to let it die. We have to let yeah. our desires, the things we want, the things we think matter, they need to die. To yeah. let to let God reshape those, and that's that is painful, and that is the pain of the cross. Is that the to have a cruciform soul means, and and again, I, I want to be careful here because I think we can misunderstand. There, are, I think there are two two ditches on either side of this. One is that God always wants you to be prosperous; He wants you to be rich and healthy and and have all the things. And the other one is God wants nothing for you. And that you're supposed to live in poverty, that somehow being poor makes you holier than somebody who's rich. And I think the middle ground is when you when you die to self, when the cross is what shapes your soul, it changes the way you see things. And, and guess what? I know there are people who have been blessed with finances by the Lord, but because the Lord has shaped their soul, their money does not control them. They're some of the most generous people I know. Yeah. And I think that goes back to when we were talking about the acting away and actually being yes. away. And when you're acting, like you say, anybody can act kindly, but there are only some people that radiant radiate kindness. And the way you put that was just so wonderful. And if you think of when, why are you acting kindly to someone often, you know, human psychology tells us it's a form of manipulation because yeah. I want something from you. I want you to like me. I want you to think I'm wonderful. I want something from you. That's why I'm being kind to you. And then, but actually having kindness for the sake of what? Because you, you, I don't, I don't need anything from you. I am, yeah. I am assured in my, my esteem in Christ. I, yeah. I know oh, who good. I am, where I'm, where I'm at, where I'm going. That leaves room for that grace for everyone. It's like, you can act this yeah. way, but I'm going to still be kind to you 
because Jesus was kind to me first. You know what I love about that is because, okay, let's go back to that self-help. Any sermon we've done over the last, well, honestly, any sermon we've done could become a self-help sermon. Yeah. If the focus is on what you do instead of what you allowed the Holy Spirit to do in you and God's word and community. And I think part of what, part of the danger of self-help theology is that you can act yourself into becoming a good person. Yeah. That's true. You can 100% act yourself. But if it's an act, that means at your heart level, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, right? Yeah. It's the work of the Holy Spirit with our obedience. And that's where the obedience plays yeah. into it is you still have to. That's why Paul said, you or, or Jesus said, you have to pick up your cross. That's your part in it. God will not force himself to form you. There is a surrendering that takes place. There are things we must do. So, a submission. Well, let's go with, I'll use, and again, not that this message is about tithing, but I think money is such an easy one. There are some people who think tithing is the goal. 10% is the goal. And I think you can make a biblical argument. No, tithing was God's way of saying, you need the law to keep to keep money in its right place. But when the Lord has transformed your heart, the tithe is not the ceiling, it's the floor. You, you don't even care about the percentage. It's no longer about, did I meet 10%? It's about, God, what are you asking me to give? And those are the generous people. Generosity and tithing are not the same thing. And I think too many Christians associate, well, I'm generous because I tithe. No, that's what you should be doing. Yeah. If, if there's nothing generous, so let's, let's go beyond that. And there's nothing generous about being a nice person. Yeah. But being nice to somebody who's mean to you or showing kindness and mercy to somebody who just you can't stand. Yeah. Or, we said that phrase of um, remaining kind takes grace under cruel conditions yeah. it's easy well even jesus said it like yeah. it's easy to love somebody if you like them yeah right who is my neighbor lord it's the the neighbor is not the person you like it's the person you want nothing to do with it's the person who's a burden to you who you have yeah. to go out of your way and that's all part of that cruciform i mean on both sides of the cross you had two thieves and jesus could have turned to both of them and said you both deserve to be here and i, I that I was, again, thinking about how powerful that story is. Yeah. All it takes is one small thing, and my entire attitude and, and the way I approach people can be soured. And here's Jesus going through the most excruciating form of torture known to man at that point. And he's still, even the thief who's condemning him, you never hear Jesus spit back at him. It's actually the other thief who defends yeah. Jesus. Jesus doesn't go, who do you think you are? He actually doesn't yeah. speak a word. It's the thief. The only one he ever actually speaks to is the one who actually says, hey, this man's done nothing. Please remember me. Yeah. Like, And it's not out of pity. No. It's out of compassion. That's, well, I'm, so here's the, I want to give a little preview for our next sermon series. So everything we've done actually has been intentional and it's leading us to Christmas and we're not doing a typical Advent series. So we started off with the Rock of Ages, which is what we believe about God actually matters and that the, the creeds shape us and that if we understand the creeds that we understand that our belief about God affects how we live out our Christianity what we are what we're looking for in the world the hope we're looking for this form series has not been about our theological beliefs but the stories we believed and how they've shaped our souls and how that if it shapes our soul it means it shapes our minds and our heart which then also shapes our beliefs about God well this next series is going to be on recovery and where we're going from here is talking about that now that we know we've all been hurt, we've all got bad stories, we all have stories that have messed us up, we're now going to go into this whole idea of what does it mean to be on the other side of that to recover 
and and Derek, you know, I'm excited because you're preaching both weeks. So you Two get weeks to tie in those, a row. You get to tie those, and then you're preaching Double after look. him. Yeah, that's right. Right, and and that first one is Jesus is not shocked by the fact that we're messed up people. And here we are, we're talking about the cruciform life. Why did he have to go to the cross in the first place? Yeah. Because he understood that we would never choose the cross. The cross was not the way we would want to be saved. We would want to be saved by a king who will come in and conquer our enemies and defeat them through violence or through power, not through choosing to surrender themselves to sacrifice. And And forgiveness just being given with no consequence or with no yeah then it cheapens it you were yeah well and that so if you've ever read dietrich bonhoeffer the cost of discipleship he talks about cheap grace yeah and we preach a cheap grace all the time that's how i came to faith and don't get me wrong i praise god i came to faith but it was hey believe in jesus don't go to hell change your behavior fire insurance yeah it was not just it was i mean i think that cheapens the power because I really did understand that I needed a relationship with Jesus, but the overall heart was not there. I didn't really learn about the cost of following Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's really what this whole series is about is your soul is being affected. Everything costs something, but is it worth the cost? And I would argue at the end of the day, following Jesus is worth the cost, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It's incredibly hard. And that's why we stumble and fail. And, you know, we all sin in many ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're creative in our sin. And I think that what I'm excited about is that we're, as we're heading up to Christmas, even through this recovery series, um, what happens in the birth narrative of Christ, Jesus coming into the world, has such a powerful statement. When we see the lens of Jesus coming as a child in the midst of this really messed up world, and I think there's, I think it points to a hope that if we understand what actually is meant to take place uh, in the understanding of God with us, it changes how we see ourselves. It changes our stories. Every story has an opportunity. And the question is, what opportunity does it afford? Does it lead to growth, healing, wholeness, or does it lead to deforming? Does it lead to brokenness and, and more sin and more pain? Well, hey, uh, Derek, I'm excited for Sunday. Uh, excited for the next couple Sundays. And uh, man, if you found this series encouraging or this podcast, do me a favor, just share it with somebody. We'd, again, so grateful for all nine of you listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really it really does mean a lot to us. And, and we hope that this has been helpful. And I continue to hear very positive things about the, what we've been doing in the sermons and what we're trying to accomplish. And I take that as the Lord moving um, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch what God is doing. Well, hey, this has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. I'm Kate. I'm Derek. Have an awesome Thanksgiving, everybody. I love you, Bob Goff. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion Clear Lake app. Share this podcast with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of The Breakthrough Breakdown.